Church History Matters, episode 35. Grace and peace to you, brothers and sisters. Thanks for tuning back in to another episode of Church History Matters. My name is Ruben Rosales. And I'm Joseph Knowles. And we are here to discuss matters from church history. Yes. And discuss why that matters. Exactly. Um, we're bringing you another installment of Heroes and Heretics. Yeah. Which is our just biographical. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it alliterates. So that's what we went with. Exactly. I guess maybe we could have done Saints and Sinners. Ah, but somebody's already got that. Oh, somebody surely does. Yeah. Yeah. Had to be unique. Yeah. So Heroes and Heretics is, is what you got. Um, so we will be moving into that shortly. Um, but first, this week in church history. We are recording this on March 8th. So right. it probably will be coming to you on Wednesday, March 16th. And if you know March 15th and you remember Julius Caesar from uh, high school English class, you know that that is the Ides of March. And the famous line is to beware the Ides of March. Yeah. So we have an event um, from March 15th, 1752, mm. um, which I had to look up to verify what day of the week it was. Um, because of the event that occurs, okay. which I'll get to in a minute. But it also happens to be um, the very year that the United, United Kingdom was switching from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. Ah. In September of 1752, they skipped 11 days. Okay. So when I was looking at the calendar to see what day was it, I had to actually, like, I got two different answers, so I had to go back and like. I say, mean, who even knows, honestly? Right. I mean, what we could be in the year twenty-eight thirty-two. <laughs> like, we have no idea. Exactly. So anyway, uh, March fifteenth, seventeen fifty-two, which, as far as I can tell, was a Sunday, <laughs> and uh, it involves someone that we've talked about at least a little bit before, uh, but it's uh, John Gill, yeah, who at the time was the uh, pastor of the Strict Baptist Church in. Uh, oh, and it's gone by so many different names now, but I think at the time it was in the uh, Goatyard Chapel or something like that Okay. in London. Um, but basically one of the very first, what we would consider the line of Reformed Baptist churches, those guys. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Keach was the pastor there before John Gill. Right. So um, anyway, this is uh, in on March 15th, 1752, and the account is written by John Rippon, who came directly after John Gill as the pastor of that church, which, if you remember, would then become the Carter Lane Baptist Church and eventually would become the Metropolitan, Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle, yeah. which is still around today. Um, so John Rippon writes this. This year, the doctor had a very memorable escape from being killed in his study. On March the 15th, in the morning, there was a violent hurricane which much damaged many houses, both in London and Westminster. Soon after he had left his study to go to preach, a stack of chimneys forced through the roof into his study, breaking his writing table to pieces, and must have killed him had the fall but happened a little sooner. Seriously noticing this remarkable preservation to a friend, who had some time before mentioned a saying of Dr. Halley, the great astronomer, 
if you remember Halley's comment. Mm. Uh, but Dr. Halley wrote, that close study prolonged the man's life by keeping him out of harm's way. <laughs> uh, in other words, if you're holed up in your study, pouring over books, yeah. you'll be fine, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dr. Gill writes, what becomes of Dr. Halley's words now, since a man may come to danger and harm in his closet as well as on the highway, if not protected by the special care of God's providence? The same mm. sentiment, sentiment is conveyed in one of Mr. Newton's letters, quote, the divine providence, which is sufficient to deliver us in our greatest extremity, is equally necessary to our preservation in the most peaceful situations. So that was March 15th, 1752, when John Gill... Almost died in a hurricane. Almost died in a hurricane in London. Well, I mean, they use the term hurricane. Yeah. Probably that's... not tropical cyclone, but a sure. very strong rainstorm. Right. That's what I was like. When you said that, I was like, wait. They get hurricanes yeah. in the UK? <laughs> like, I've no. never heard of that before. Yeah, just the terminology. But waters are really cold up there. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, don't you don't have to beware the Ides of March. Yeah. If you have that same trust in the sovereignty of God that, that John Gill had. Yeah. So there you go. This week in church history, March fifteenth, seventeen fifty two. On a Sunday. Yes, on a Sunday. Hmm. Well, is it either Sunday or if I did the calculation wrong, it might have been a Saturday. Well, I was going to say, Sunday should have been at the, at the Lord's Day. Yeah, so it sounds like he was he was on his way there, <clears throat> and he left just mm. in time, in the Lord's time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly when it was supposed to happen. Yep. So, we are talking about a particular person today. Yeah, and honestly, the, the first time I had heard about him, it was, I was hearing somebody uh, give a, a lecture about mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. and... They were giving a lot of quotes that he had said, and we could yeah. probably go through some of those at the end. Oh yeah, but they were just the type of quotes that were heavy mm-hmm. and sounded as if they were coming from someone who had been in the pastorate for, you know, decades. Yeah, and I was shocked to learn that this man died, and I don't think he reached he was, what thirty. No, nope, not quite. So incredible, incredible uh, person that we're going to talk about the. Great uh, Robert Murray McShane. And I don't think he would be happy of us calling him great. Certainly not. Yeah. <laughs> but certainly stands out in church history. And you'll see different ways that people have written or spelled his name. Yeah. Or, yeah. I, or pronounced, I guess, also. Mm-hmm. I think because I didn't know how to pronounce it until I looked at, started looking into it. Yeah, because some of them you've got M apostrophe right. C-H-E-Y-N-E. Right. And you look at that and you think it looks like machine. Right. Um, but Which then, is how I've said it for the longest. Right. But the apostrophe is meant to be a replacement for a, the little C there. Yeah. So McShane is probably the better way to pronounce it. Yeah, so he is born in Scotland. In Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Edinburgh or Edinburgh or Edinburgh if you're in from Scotland. the United States, probably. Yes. Um, Scotland. Yes. May 21st. Hey. That's my birthday. Well, not 1813, obviously. <laughs> I was born on May 21st. Well, there you go. You share a birthday with him. That's, That's pretty cool. cool. That is yeah. pretty cool. He just had to show me up everywhere else. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and that's where all the similarities end. <laughs> <laughs> Same day. Um, and a good source on this, if you, if you're looking to read more, is the uh, just called the memoirs of McShane, 
and it's ed- edited by Andrew Bonar, mm. um, who is a name you, some of you might recognize. But there's a lot of good biographical information in there, and uh, the front the front material, and then of course it's McShane's recollections himself of his own life and some of the things that he did. Um, it's interesting that pretty early on in his life, you you could have looked at that and said, "This is somebody who's going to." do some remarkable things yes yes absolutely this first quote here one of the things that was said about him says uh, the brilliance of intellect which was later to make him an accomplished hebrew and greek scholar was evident at the early age of four when he taught himself to name and write all the letters of the greek alphabet as a means of recreation (laughs) just for fun it's incredible (laughs) It's not, I mean, you've got the age, which is incredibly young. Yeah. Like most kids that age today don't read their own language. The first time people learn Greek is when they go to college. Yeah. Or maybe if they enjoy math. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. So the very young age and that he taught them to himself. Yeah. And then he just did it for fun, just for something fun to do. Let's learn Greek alphabet. That's amazing. That is pretty incredible. And it only continues from there. He yeah. um, finishes basically what would be our equivalent of high school uh, by age eight. <laughs> um, or secondary school, I guess they would call it now, over across the pond. Um, so he starts at Edinburgh University in November of 1827 at the tender age of 14. Wow. Um, and almost immediately, he, just, he distinguished himself as a student and as was written by someone else, as exhibiting many traits of a Christian character. Hmm. Which is interesting, given what his comes testimony? after. Yeah. Yes, his testimony. Yeah, that's really interesting, because you see that that also applies, I think, a lot of times. Um, and, I mean, how many testimonies have we heard when we look at uh, Rosaria Chato uh, Washer? Mm-hmm. Right? Her own testimony. Yeah. She was serving in a mission field mm-hmm. and then realized, oh, I'm not saved. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Um, yeah, I mean, hey, the Lord knows. Uh, we don't always know. And even someone who we see what has a disposition that might be likened to one that would be fitting well with Christianity does not necessarily mean that mm-hmm. that person is born again. Yep. Um, he finishes up there his uh, university education in Edinburgh and goes on then in 1831. So, so how old is he now? He's 17 or 18. Okay. And he starts studying at the Divinity Hall, which was also there in Edinburgh, under Thomas Chalmers, mm. who himself was called Scotland's greatest 19th century churchman. And again, we get to touch back on the fact that Scotland has such a rich oh, yeah. Christian mm-hmm. history of, of giants, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of the faith who did extraordinary things. It's good to know that we have brothers there that are still now proclaiming the gospel yes. and experiencing growth in mm-hmm. that church. That's an amazing thing. Yes, absolutely. Gospel the, is still going forth in Scotland. Yep. There was another big event that happened in 1831. He didn't just start studying divinity. Yeah. Um, that was that was probably the most impactful. That was with the, uh, the springboard for his uh, recognition of his need of salvation. Yeah. His brother named David died. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was in the military. I can't remember if he was or if he wasn't. But regardless, uh, his brother died, which he wrote, Robert Machane wrote in his uh, diary. It says, I lost my loved and loving brother and began to seek a brother who cannot die. And also this in his diary, 
On this morning last year came the first overwhelming blow to my worldliness. How blessed to me, thou, O God, who has made it so. Hmm. So here's, a, I mean, somebody, I was talking to somebody recently about uh, considering Job and understanding, like, how did he, how did he do it? Mm-hmm. How did he lose so much and suffer so much agony in his heart? And yet he hears all the news and his immediate response is to give praise to God. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, Mr. Robert, Brother Robert here does a very similar thing and he blesses the God who brought this whole thing about. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. And it was, I mean, it, it, it wasn't just something that he would write about in his diary because all of his close, closest friends there yeah. st- would testify that they began to see a change in his life in that period over the next several years. And it's really interesting when you start looking at his his influences of mm-hmm. the time and you start to see, okay, I mean, I said, I said it jokingly before, and, and John Piper is someone who gets a lot of folks into Reformed theology, mm-hmm. and uh, but he's he's got that real popular don't waste your life yeah. idea. And here's someone in, in Robert Murray McShane who I think, though he had a very short life, he did not waste a single moment yeah. of his life, mm-hmm. at least so it would seem. So that sets him on a track, and you know, by the time he was... 22 years old in 1835 mm. uh, he becomes a licensed minister All right so he's like you said he's not wasting any time uh, but that took place when he was licensed by the presbytery of Annan or Annan yeah I have no idea how to pronounce that all these Scottish names yeah it, it's the same English sure same language most mostly but yeah the accents and the emphases right. on the wrong places can mess you up yes yeah, so that he's licensed on July 31st of 1835. And writes that he became a preacher of the gospel, mm. an honor to which I cannot name an equal. Mm. Just, yeah, so he obviously holds the ministry in the highest regard. This is not just someone who decided, well, what should I do? Right. Should I go into business? Should I go into the military? As, you know, some, I mean, this guy um, <laughs> who wrote this book here yes. uh, <laughs> has said, right, a lot of times uh, you have people who are ill-equipped to do any other kind of work mm-hmm. and so they think ah oh, the pastorate must be right. what i should do yeah mm. yeah but this was definitely not the case with, i'm not uh, good at math so i guess i'll go to law school right <laughs> that's a terrible decision listener don't do that yeah but it was and it was uh like we said his his life was jam-packed full and it was it did turn out to be the only a few weeks in the into the beginning of his ministry there uh he fell ill and it was just some kind of condition that was related to his heart. Um, it's always difficult to tell, you know, 200 years after the fact, what right. exact medical diagnosis there was. But it was definitely something related to his heart. And it would become a recurring thing. But at the time, it caused him to have to step back from his duties of public ministry. Hmm. So that was uh, 1835. In 1836 is when he actually became installed as an ordained minister at a specific parish or right, uh, right. with a congregation. He would write of that specific time, I have been too anxious to do great things. The lust of praise has ever been my besetting sin, and what more be- befitting school could be found for me than that of suffering alone, away from the eye and ear of man. <laughs> Again, I guess this, is, this sounds like somebody who has an extremely mature Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because especially when you're just starting out, 
he's he's been licensed to preach just a few weeks before, mm-hmm. and then he's just totally laid out and can't do any of the things that he was planning to do as far as the ministry was concerned. And to have that mindset and that attitude to say, I haven't had something taken from me. God yeah. is giving me this for a specific reason. It's right. Just, Seeing God's providence yeah. in all of life circumstances yeah. and yep. and trusting that. Like, see, but see, you know, that's another thing. Like people, people have asked, you know, why has this or that bad thing happened? Mm-hmm. And there are so many reasons. Like, yeah. I don't even have to know you and I can say, look, I, I can think of so many reasons right now off the top of my head why this horrific, bad, truly bad thing has happened. Yeah. Um, and this brother here just, you know, was pertained to himself. Like he was able to identify it very quickly. The lust of praise has ever been my besetting mm-hmm. sin. Yep. And the Lord is helping me to identify it and to cure it and to, you know, mortify it, which is excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, he does, it doesn't, uh, lay him out forever. He does recover. Um, and he did serve for a brief time and went, so served and studied under John Bonar, who was the minister of Lambert and Dunapace, um, until McShane himself was ordained as a minister at St. Peter's in Dundee on November 1st, 1836. All Saints Day. Yes. So about a, a little over a year after he was first licensed to preach, um, he is being entrusted with the ministry uh, of his own congregation. Yeah. And he said of that city, this is really interesting to me um, because you see the progression of the mm-hmm. ministry. When he got there, he said it was a town or a locality of some 4,000 souls. He called it a city given to idolatry and hardness of heart. Mm. That was his first impression. Mm. And, and in speaking about this, he said, He has set me down among the noisy mechanics and political waivers of this godless town. Mm. And again, not not mincing any words, there's a, a certain refreshing air to the way he speaks mm-hmm. with regards to his own condition and that of others yeah right like that's a friend that you want to have yes. someone that's like hey i recognize this sin in me and i recognize it you know causing problems yeah. and then i recognize this sin in you and i can see it causing problems and, and how can you minister to people if you don't see them in their in, of having any need right absolutely and it, yeah like you say it wasn't that he saw them like that and kind of gives them the stiff arm. Right. Like that that fuels his love for them. Yeah. To make sure that they have the gospel. That is the the uh the fields are white. Yes. Right, and ready for harvest. Yep. Absolutely. The following year, eighteen thirty seven, uh, he became secretary to the Association for Church Extension in the County of Forfar. And that is quite a mouthful. But <laughs> The upshot of it is it gives him a lot of opportunities to preach throughout the area, not just at, at St. Peter's Church there. Um, so that's how he becomes a, starts to become a little more widely known mm. around Scotland and also um, eventually uh, throughout the rest of um, the United Kingdom there. Yeah, so that's a, that's a mouthful, but if, you, <laughs> if it was assistant to the secretary, <laughs> that would be even more of a mouthful. Um, so after that, he ended up having a little another health scare. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so it was in 1838, 
continued there in ministry till 1838. Then he experienced a violent palpitation of the heart once more, which forced him to change his work for his health. Mm-hmm. It was during this time that he was asked to become part of a missionary of inquiry from the Church of Scotland to Jewish people in Europe and Asia. And that's a part that I thought was really cool, was when he he gets ready to leave and he sets in order the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he made sure that his church members and congregation would not be left alone. And that would bear fruit. Oh, incredible <laughs> fruit. Yes. Um, so, I mean, just think about that for a minute. Like, <clears throat> it's the Church of Scotland, which is the state church. Yeah. Like, the overall church in Scotland. His fellow ministers within that church asked him to, I mean, this is the missionary endeavor, the official thing for the Church of Scotland going yeah. to the Jewish people in Europe and Asia. Here's this 24-year-old guy, and we want you to go because we are entrusting this important work to you yeah. because we think you're capable. And yeah, like you say, he, um, he, he definitely makes provision for his church while he's gone. So even, even while he's going on this special ministry and um, seeing to his own health, yeah, he's not neglecting his flock. He's making sure that they're provided for in 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 multiple ways, right? And so, like, that's something that I think a lot of people. So, this would be one of the answers that I would say to someone if something bad happened. Well, you know what it does. The chief thing it does is it gives brothers and sisters the opportunity to come before the throne of grace mm-hmm. of God and to actually lay petitions before Him, um, to be lifting up brothers and sisters in prayer and to be praying for them. Um, you know, in their suffering, right? And so. This brother here, he set someone to, to be in his pulpit, but he also labored uh, tirelessly mm-hmm. in prayer for those specific people at St. Peter's. Yeah. And then those prayers were used of God yes. and heard and answered. Because he goes halfway around the world, <clears throat> and while he's gone, uh, the, uh, and, well, I was going to say second string. That's probably unfair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's, who's standing in for him, public mm-hmm. supply. I don't mean to imply any anything about the quality of his preaching. I don't even remember the. I don't have his name in. My I don't head, have his so name either, and I don't remember it off the top of my head. It certainly has not been lost to history. We just no, yeah. We just didn't write it down. So, um, if you know who that is, um, obviously the Lord was working through him because a, a tremendous revival breaks out mm. um, in in 1838, 1839, while McShane is gone, and it was still going on by the time he returned. But what was their reaction to him? Not, oh, it's, hey, you're back. Uh, well, we kind of got this thing going on over here without you, so why don't you... No, it was nothing like that. Not, yeah. that, not that probably the church polity would have allowed them to do that. Right. Um, but they were, I mean, they were grateful. They were joyful to have him back. They actually, the people of the town crowded into the streets mm. when they heard that he was coming um, to see him when he exited the church. So obviously... Uh, beloved by the people of the church there, and and with good reason. That's amazing. It's hard not to lament the the church polity politics Mm. and trash that goes on. I mean, and there's there's not a single denomination that is immune to it. Right. And uh, that's terribly frustrating to see. But again, it's one of the reasons why we study church history, Mm -hmm. so we can look back and say, hey, look, uh, there are times uh, where this exact same thing has happened, where there's just terrible politics and, and backbiting. Mm-hmm. And then there's wonderful moments of joy like this where there's no kind of infighting at all. Right. So that's something to be encouraged by. Yep.
um, a few years later, we're fast-forwarding to 1843 now, um, he has the opportunity to go on an evangelistic mission. And that would take him from the north of England, um, so on the border there with Scotland, all the way to London. Hmm. So basically across the entire country, or the length of the country anyway, in the spring of 1843. Um, it was during the course of that journey that he had he had visited some people that were sick with, sick with um, some kind of a fever. We're not exactly sure what. Uh, but he comes down with whatever that was that they had himself in the course mm. of making his visit. Um, Got the Rona. Something, no. I don't know. <laughs> so eventually news of his illness reaches Dundee um, and a large crowd assembled at St. Peter's in part to uh, to pray for him. Yeah. Um, so that was on the night of, or the March 24th, 1843. Yeah. Uh, and he would uh, pass away the next morning, March 25th, 1843, a little less than two months shy of his 30th birthday. Mm. And a friend would write of the neighborhood on that day when the news of his death arrived. In passing along the high road, you saw the faces of everyone swollen with weeping. Mm. So obviously greatly, greatly affected his congregation and, and the town itself there when he when he passed away through the ministry that the Lord was able to do through him there in just such a short, yeah. short amount of time. It's incredible. Yeah, it really was. And I want to jump back to the, the part of 1831 after his brother's death between 1831 and 1835. Um, just a couple of things, a couple of uh, entries to his journal that showed mm-hmm. where God was really working in him and he was having a growing grasp of scriptural truth and desire to live in mm-hmm. communion with God. Um, June 22nd, bought Edwards' works. That would be Jonathan Edwards, mm-hmm. the first one. Truly, there was nothing in me that should have induced him to choose me. I was but as the other brands upon whom the fire is already kindled, which shall burn forevermore. Mm. And again, like this is a great opportunity to discuss what the gospel actually is. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of the things I try to really emphasize with my children because they know they're, they know they're sinners. They mm-hmm. already know. I don't have to tell them you're right. a sinner. Yeah. They already understand. They have that understanding of, yeah, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. But the harder thing is to prove to them and rather to display to them the magnitude of the glory and the holiness mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And because of that holiness, uh, he demands perfection and he is right to do so. And he would be right to cast every sinner into hell. But God in his grace and in his mercy sent his only son to live as a human, being born as a man um, under the law, mm-hmm. fulfilled it perfectly, and then died obtaining righteousness for us in his perfect obedience, dying the death that we deserve as sinners, and then suffering the wrath of God in that death. But it doesn't end mm-hmm. after that, right? So after that, we are dead. We have been crucified with him, but we have also been raised to life with him as well. Because three days later, Christ arose from the dead uh, in accordance with all the scriptures. And everyone who has their faith in him, who trust him and not their own righteousness, but trust in the perfect work and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ will be saved. Everyone who calls on him. Amen to that. And so if, you, if you're interested... 
in that, read your Bible and read, go read some Jonathan Edwards. It will do you much good. Mm-hmm. And they, so this was in June 22nd, August 15th. He says, an awfully important question. Am I redeeming the time? Mm. And this is something that he clearly got from Jonathan Edwards, because if you read Jonathan Edwards resolutions, yes. that mm-hmm. is one of the things that he asks. And so here, Robert Murray McShane was severely caught up by this one question. Am I redeeming the time? Mm-hmm. February 23rd, Sabbath, rose early to seek God and found him whom my soul loveth. Who would not rise early to meet such company? Mm. Again, I mean, you and I are part of a church that folks get to church pretty regularly and mm-hmm. we don't have to, we usually don't have to ping people about coming and like, hey, we missed you last Sunday. What yeah. happened? Is it? Yeah. We got some folks who, it's why I, I get really kind of a little bit, a little bit peeved when I hear, whenever you go try to evangelize someone and they say, oh, but what if someone wants to go to heaven, but they're just not, they're just not a, they're not, they're not chosen mm. or, right, right. or they're, they're not a Christian, but they want to go to heaven. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, like, if they if they don't want to spend time with God's people, I have a hard time believing that right. they want to actually be in heaven yeah, with yeah. God. Uh, yeah, and the thing that the thing that came to my mind when I read that was the rising early part, because how often do we drag ourselves out of yeah. bed? I oh, I gotta get us. I gotta read my Bible, and we're falling asleep, mm-hmm. and we're you know drudging through a prayer. When you know that the mindset is the one that McShane here had, when it's a joy, yeah, it's a, a immense privilege to be able to not just to be, I mean, yes, that you even get out of bed today because that is something that we are not owed, right? But then I can, I can not only draw breath, but use that breath and use that life that has been granted to me to go to meet with my Savior, yeah. Whether on the Sabbath or on a you know on a weekday when it's just me and doing my devotions, um, yeah, that should be the same uh, attitude that we bring right. to those things. And there's there's another um, thing that that jumps out in my mind is is that of of relief, right? So we are we are we are walking in this world and laboring and experiencing all of the effects of a fallen world. Mm-hmm. And so on on this one day we get to get relief mm. by going to the table and going to hear the the words from the mouth of our savior that are bombs for our souls yeah. who have been weary or who have become angry or an- anxiety filled from the weeks you know labors and and working and everything mm-hmm. like that. So uh it is it should be sweet. It should be sweet to every yes. Christian. So reading the biographies of past ministers had a profound influence on McShane, especially lives such as Jonathan Edwards, Brainerd, Martin, Payson, and Halliburton. I hope I said those names right. Uh, In fact, he became so familiar with the works of the first named that Edwards' resolutions became exemplified Mm -hmm. in McShane. Mm -hmm. For example, resolved from his book Resolutions, never to lose one moment of time but to improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. Hmm. Resolved that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I had come to die. Hmm. Mm, goodness. <laughs> no regrets. Man, that is, 
That's a that's a good one. Yeah. Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Hmm. And here's like I said, we, I said at the very beginning. Here's a brother who didn't reach the age of thirty. Mm-hmm. And man, I believe he'd lived with all his might. Mm-hmm. And praise God for his life. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, uh, from a letter that McShane later wrote to a student. We can see that rules he applied, what rules he applied to himself. As he said, do get on with your studies. Remember, you are now forming the character of your future ministry. If God spare you, if you acquire slovenly or sleepy habits of study now, you will never get the better of it. Do everything in earnest. Above all, keep much in the presence of God. Never see the face of man till you have seen his face, who is our life are all Hmm. and the last entry of his student days um march 29th 1835 college finished on friday last my last appearance there life is vanishing fast make haste for eternity Hmm. and that he did yes he would die eight years later Hmm. wow what a life yeah and we had some quotes. There was one that, that stood out to me. He could say it because he, he lived it. Uh, but he wrote this. If thou meanest to enlarge thy religion, do it rather by enlarging thine ordinary devotions than thy extraordinary. Mm. Which is often a... I mean, it's easy to fall into that temptation where you're yeah. waiting around for this... Um, this big experience or this, you know, transforming moment or, um, you know, in some traditions, it might be, you know, the second blessing or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. And what he's saying is day by day. Yeah. Do the little things. And as you do those little things, that's how you will, uh, the Lord will increase your faith. Yeah. Not uh, And I mean, the Lord is pleased sometimes to work radical conversions we've sure. got you know Paul on the road to Damascus yeah um, I think of um, what R.C. Sproul writes about in the holiness of God his conversion experience yeah. so those if a, things if a tree falls there it lies <laughs> right like how do you get converted off of that that verse <laughs> it's amazing um, yeah. but you know yeah it's 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 script it's 100% scriptural it's mm-hmm. it's he who is faithful in little will be found faithful in much mm-hmm. and and, and man, it's hard. You're right. Like, it's so easy because everybody, I mean, y- y- your boy, you know, he's, he's, he's a big soccer fan, mm-hmm. uh, football for the rest of the world, yeah. not America, <laughs> um, huge football fan. And, you know, it's easy as a child to get caught up in this, what can I be? How, I want to be great. But it's, it's those hard days of days that I don't want to go to practice, days that I don't want to, you know, run sprints or you know, practice my drills. Um, and the same is true of the, of the Christian life. Any, anybody who's accomplished anything is going to be the first to tell you, you've got to have the discipline in your private life. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think, let me see, um, there was something I had said to somebody. It was a brother, uh, a brother in Christ. He was, he was asking, and it was, it was sweet. He was just asking, he's like, hey, uh, what would you what would you say to me that you would offer as advice like if you could give me one piece of advice what would you 
what would it be? Mm-hmm. And I haven't read this in a while, so I'm hoping it's relevant. Let's see. <laughs> uh, said I would said be more diligent in your focus, your primary mission objective, secondary missionary objective. Have these in order and be sure that you do not misorder them. Mm. And I think when we get carried away in looking at the oh the the big the big stage or mm-hmm. the the praise of man, whatever it could be, we're forgetting our primary mission objective, yeah. which is to glorify God in all that we think, say, and do, and to give glory and honor to Him and to love Him with our whole heart. So have these in order and be sure you do not misorder them. Keep yourself diligently focused on accomplishing your calling by God on your life. You have been redeemed for a purpose. Know it and pursue it. Do not allow seeking X, Y, Z. I said for him, seeking a wife or better pay or some idealized dream. Um, Don't let those things become your primary mission focus. Be steadfast in scripture, reading, and prayer. And honor the local honor the covenant with your local church. Mm -hmm. But that's it, man. It's not people like Paul Washer says it very well. Right. There are no great men of God. Mm. There are only weak men of an incredibly powerful and gracious yeah. God yeah. who supplies them with everything that they mm-hmm. need. But it's because they're in their prayer closets. They're on their knees. They're in the scripture, in the word of God. So, yeah, that was uh, there was another one from yeah. Murray. What other quotes? There's an analogy that they use. It's a uh, work. Sometimes they talk about <clears throat> um, doing a forklift upgrade what? of of computer systems. So you have the idea of the forklift, like you're on the ground floor and then you raise it up three levels and you stick it on the top shelf. Right. So you're, you're jumping, say you're jumping from windows seven to windows 11 instead of all the intermediate steps right. in between. That's probably not a great computing example. I just do the policy stuff. So don't, don't at me. But I think it's kind of, if, if you're, if, if that's your mindset, well, I'm going to do a forklift upgrade to my faith. Well, mm. That that might be a recipe for for disaster. You might be better off to pile up some stairs, and those are little things, and they don't look like much by themselves. And the forklift is flashy and and loud and goes up real fast. But that's you know, it, it, like McShane says, focus on the ordinary stuff, not the extraordinary. Yeah, uh, as pertains to his personal ministry, here's something that he said. One of his quotes. The greatest need of my people, meaning his congregation, mm-hmm. is my personal holiness. Mm. And it's true. And honestly, if you don't pray for your pastor, you need to pray for your pastor. Yes. Uh, pray for your elders mm-hmm. um, and all those who are in ministry because all of the things that uh, they're humans, right? Yeah. We for, it's very easy to forget that those are humans, which means they're sinners, mm-hmm. which means they have thoughts that might not be godly, whether it's seeking praise of man or their own. Um, personal ambition, whatever it is, um, they need prayer mm-hmm. that God would protect them and preserve them and that they would be seeking personal holiness. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and get specific with that. So, yeah. one of the things I, I, you know, I pray for specifically is help him in his times of personal devotion. Mm. Yeah. And to guard that carefully because. Um, and I don't think this is something that he struggles with. At least he hasn't mentioned it. But I yeah. know sometimes pastors will fall into, well, I did my study mm. for the sermon. So that, you know, I'm good. Oh, yeah. And, I have heard that. Yeah. And that's, that's an awful thing. That's a dreadful mistake to make. Yeah. So, yeah, pray for your pastors specifically that they will carefully guard that time of their own personal devotions. Mm. Um, you know, if they have a wife and children, pray for their times of family worship because that is that's crucial as well. Um, that they're supposed to be leading their household well. Yeah. 
And if you're neglecting family worship, then you're not going to be doing that well. That's right. And to go with that, another quote, he said, a man is what he is on his knees before God and nothing more. Hmm. Um, that one stings a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, I mean, like, look, I mean, because then you you will find that you are either listener, um, dear brother or sister in Christ, either a a person who is wasteful in their time or a person who spends great time in prayer. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I have found great comfort in times of prayer where there's time especially especially in the times where i don't want to pray mm. um an example yeah. my wife whenever we would have a, a significantly difficult disagreement she would sometimes just stop and say you know what we need to pray <laughs> because i'm upset and you're upset and mm-hmm. this isn't going well we need to pray yeah and i would be so angry i'd be like <laughs> how dare you say that to me and I was like, you're right. Let's let's pray. Let's yeah. pray and go to our great God in heaven who is able to do far greater and above anything we could ever ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, um, and you had written this one down, but it, it stuck out to me in reading through the notes. McShane writes, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Mm-hmm. And you think about that. Like, yeah, absolutely. If Jesus <sighs> was in the next room and I could literally hear him saying my name, yeah. there's nothing that would stop me. But he continues. McShane <laughs> does. He says, yet distance makes no difference. He is praying mm. for me. Amen. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, you you can't audib- we can't audibly hear him, but we can. It's every bit as true. Yeah. And uh, he ever lives to intercede for us. Absolutely. So if you're and if you doubt that, which you shouldn't, but yeah, if you ever uh, don't feel it as much as you should, maybe go and read John 17. Amen. Um, because that is he Jesus. calls you out specifically. Yes. It is Jesus praying, and he's not just praying for the eleven of his apostles who yeah. were there. He specifically prays for all who would come to believe in him. So that's, if you're a believer in Christ um, and you've been saved by him, then that's you. Yeah. Amen. And uh, there's one more quote by him and then I'm going to do this quote about him. Mm. Um, and, I th- and I think this is a relevant one because I believe that, you know, you look at the Reformed evangelical world mm-hmm. and you kind of, it's easy to get a little bit like, man, what are you? What's going on here? Why do you guys just keep launching bombs at each other? Like, relax, okay? Uh-huh. But uh, I think there needs to become, there needs to, we need to recover as Christians, as biblical, God-fearing Christians, a healthy respect and use of the godly rebuke, mm-hmm. right? The gentle rebuke, and maybe if necessary, a stern rebuke. But just knowing how to do that and how to handle that is something that our and I'll, and I'll use this as an example. I told you about me being corrected at work mm-hmm. about a oh, specific yeah, yeah. thing. So I did. I accidentally jumped. The, I played a little bit of leapfrog. I went straight over not just my direct supervisor's head, but his supervisor's head as well. <laughs> it was accidental. It, it didn't mean didn't. It wasn't intentional, um, but it happened. And so yeah. he immediately got on, and he could tell he was very worked up. He's like, "Oh, uh, we got We got to respect the chain of command." I was like, "Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I got it. I understand." will not happen again. Mm-hmm. I, I 100% understand what's going on. And, and yeah, that was my fault. I apologize. 
but he could just hear it in his mm-hmm. voice. He was just very uneasy. He just didn't know how to handle yeah. this kind of, like he needed to rebuke me mm-hmm. and correct me, yeah. but he could tell he was very uncomfortable with it. Right. Like you're right to do that. Yeah. But it just makes us uncomfortable. But I say all that to say, here, here's the quote. He says, a man who loves you the most is the man who tells you the most truth about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, it is something that it's hard. It's a hard thing to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, Yep. But a man that loves you, a brother or sister that loves you, is one that's going to tell you the truth about yourself. Yep. And you so, may not like to hear it. No, because uh, I can tell you right now, just if somebody were to, you know, if somebody were to pull me aside and say, hey, hey, brother, I, I really see you struggling with anger yeah. towards your wife and your children, I'm immediate, I'm going to get defensive about that problem. Yeah. Uh, but that's somebody who loves me right. enough to enough to hurt my feelings mm. um, and I'm blessed to have a number of men in my life that, that will do that for me and man if, if if you're listening to this and you don't have anybody who you think would do that to you yeah, man tr- seek somebody out yes. if at all possible somebody Absolutely. in your church a godly man you work with because that's yeah it's crucial yeah and I think I saw, that's the question that I had asked folks every now and then and I think in our in our yeah, in yeah. a previous church, I would ask them, when's the last time somebody corrected you in gentleness and love saying, hey, brother, you shouldn't be doing this? Yeah. And a lot of time, they would it would just be this blank stare like, what do you what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's necessary. Right. Um, but or I mean, you can go even I mean, anger is a sin, but there's yeah. there's some sins that will do more, more immediate and more widespread damage. Mm. So if I saw a like if if I'm working with somebody and he's a brother and I see him giving attention to a woman at the office who is right. not his wife. Right. How much do I have to hate him and yeah. hate his wife or his children not to speak up or right. to look the other way? Yeah. Now, you, I mean, that's just a, a drastic example. Yeah. But I think it gets to the same point. And, and, and let me just say this really quickly um, for whoever happens to be listening. And his, this is something that I've heard and I... I, it bothers me. You, you, brother or sister Christian, ought not to be throwing around the term work husband or work mm, wife. Yeah, this is a tangent, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just just steer clear of that. And and yeah. I think, and, and I'll say this very quickly: is honor your marriage mm-hmm. and don't belittle it by late throwing that term around there right. like that so casually. Yeah. Um, and don't get mad if somebody rebukes you for it. Yes, yes. <laughs> or if you do get mad, hey, maybe take some time to think about why you're right. why that got you so mad. Yes, exactly. Um, all right, so last quote about Robert Murray McShane. After his death, a fellow minister of God of the gospel wrote, Indolence and levity and unfaithfulness are sins that beset me. And his living presence was a rebuke to all these, for I never knew one so instant in season and out of season, so impressed with the invisible realities and so faithful in reproving sin and witnessing for Christ. Hmm. That's one incredible eulogy. Yeah, and that could be multiplied. Yeah. Times all the number of people who knew him, pretty much. What a, what a testimony to have that written about you. Amen. You know, that's 
<laughs> they say like write your write your uh, obituary out right while you're young and then change mm-hmm. it as you mm-hmm. go right <laughs> it's like man it, that's that's a worthy thing to have anyone say about you and um and that's not the honor and that's not even the best thing that if robert murray mcshane were alive it, you know that would be nothing to him mm-hmm. because he would be working for that well done my good and faithful yes. servant like that's yes. his goal that's his prize mm-hmm. and uh and it was so evident and it's that and again it goes back to hey focus on the small things be faithful mm-hmm. in those small things be faithful in rising early and being steadfast in prayer and in your scriptures i think that's one that can easily get away from you yeah. if you and get develop routines because if you don't you don't have a routine and you wake up and then uh or let's say you wake up late and it's like oh well now I woke up late and now mm-hmm. I got to hurry up and get to work because I'm going to be, I'm going to be missing time. Right. Uh, so then you do that. And then before you know it, it's lunchtime. It's like, oh man, I still haven't had time to read scripture. And mm-hmm. it's... Yeah. Well, speaking of routines, um, if some of the listeners have heard of Robert Murray McShane before, they might know him yeah. from the Bible reading plan, mm. which he developed for that exact purpose Yeah. Uh, for his, uh, for the members of his congregation who, well, I want to. I want to read my Bible. I want to be faithful in this. Where do I? How do I start? Yeah. It's you know, it's a large book. If in case you haven't noticed, it's long, um, and you can you can read it. Uh, but if you're if you don't have some kind of plan of attack, yeah, uh, it can be more difficult. So he's developed a. Or it's a wonderful. Yeah, it's a great. It's a, it's a great plan. plan, and it's basically it's pretty much four chapters a day. And he, I think he recommended dividing up into a morning and an evening reading, but. Mm. It's it's short enough that you can do it in in one sitting, in the morning or the evening if you choose yeah. to do that. Depending but, on how fast a reader you are. Right, uh, exactly. Um, but it keeps you in, basically four different sections of the Bible. If you're going to be in the Old Testament, in, in the New Testament, and the you know usually the Gospels and the Epistles, and um, so I'm doing it right now. Actually, yeah, me so too. I'm reading in uh, Exodus, and Luke, and Job, and Second uh, Corinthians. Um, so it gives you a good overview, and it's it's really interesting because the readings are, if you redo it, you know, from year to year, they're the same. But in reading broadly and widely yeah. in Scripture, you you start to see connections. Oh yeah, that you uh, you might otherwise miss. So if you read through Exodus, I mean, which is is great, obviously, um, but when you're reading Exodus and the Gospel of Luke at the same time. Mm then you start to see where things connect up or where there's parallels. And that's uh, a, a great way to, to help understanding of the Lord's Word. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, that Luke, 20, Luke passage from Luke 24, I believe, uh, the road to Emmaus, mm-hmm. right? It says that he opened yeah. up their eyes to see, like, all of Scripture. He's mm-hmm. starting with Moses, yeah. and he went, yep. walked through all the Old Testament Scriptures and show how they spoke about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I had a conversation with someone recently, and they were like, oh, um, I think it was that I think it was that heretic lady. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told you about yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the yeah. interaction we had. She's like, Jesus is nowhere in the Old Testament. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, he's everywhere in the yeah, Old yeah. Testament. Like, uh-huh. it's all about him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the, it's it the way I think it is is you end up reading through the Old Testament once mm-hmm. and the New Testament twice. Yeah. And I think the Psalms twice as well. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Maybe so. But it's just fantastic. And then yeah. I mean. It, if nothing else, man, read Psalms in the Proverbs every day. Yeah. Because it's so rich with mm-hmm. wonderful truths, and the Psalms are amazing. Yeah. So it's kind of incredible that he's 
he's been dead for almost 200 years. Well, he's not dead. He's yeah, alive in yeah. heaven. But he's left this earth yeah. almost 200 years ago, and still there's people who are benefiting from the groundwork that he laid back in the 1830s. Yeah. Um, just those ordinary, <clears throat> ordinary devotional things that we can do. Amen. So, yeah, great life, great testimony. That's uh, that's all for this installment of Heroes and Heretics. Um, we do we ha- we hit a milestone on really? on the Facebook page. Oh yes, right. Yeah, twenty five hundred. Yeah, yeah 2, We're almost to three thousand now. Yeah, yeah. So that keep that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, I guess, is where comic book. Yeah. Well, we'll you know we'll be there. <laughs> yeah, we'll be there. And post some some memes every yeah. now and then. Um, and that's how you can keep it up with us. Uh, you can reach out to us through Messenger if you choose to do so. Yeah. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram and still not email. TikTok. So, yes. Or you can email us at I don't even know how to get a TikTok. I, I, I mean, I know. I know. I, I, <laughs> it would just like, how would, how would we produce the TikTok content? Yeah. I guess what I'm. Were you, is it limited to one minute? No, no. Oh, actually, you can okay. do long ones now. Oh, you know, okay. like, there's some that are like three minutes. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It would be like uh like Stephen Nichols on caffeine or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh and we have some uh so this was hero of the heroes and heretics, but we also have uh some heretics coming up. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Well those those won't they won't be an episode of Heroes and Heretics. It'll just be a, a church yes. history right. um episode, but it will be dealing with some heresies. Right. Yes. Um, as as they they always pop their ugly heads up again as as the yeah. meme that you that was probably our, our most popular meme oh, was yeah, the, was. the yeah, stranger yeah. things it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. seriously again <laughs> yeah come on guys we went over this yeah <laughs> send us your memes too I like oh memes. yeah they're fun yeah I love sending them to my kids yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like just they understand it it's like they yeah they learn well through them yeah so all right so we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and keep everybody engaged. But that's all for this time, and we will look forward to next episode. All right.